ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, this week I catch up with my buddy Keith Naylor out of Utah. We talk a little bit about Tate Hale's Utah elk hunt, uh, some of Keith's personal takeaways, keeping things in perspective, and uh, yeah, (laughs) a ton of laughs. Enjoy the episode. So we're on with Mr. Keith Naylor. Keith, what's happening, man? How are you, guy? How are you? I'm doing okay. I appreciate you taking the time, man, to sit down and give us a little bit of uh, your story, and we're going to talk about uh, Tate's hunt and amongst other things. (laughs) Um, so I'll let you kind of drop it for us, man. Give us a little background on yourself and your hunting outdoor life. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up actually um, raised by a single mom. So she always made time to to make sure we went camping and fishing when I was a kid and stuff and through, through various associations. You know, I got introduced to the outdoors and, and really started hunting about the time I was 12, 13 years old. We moved to Colorado from Arizona and uh, from there, it just took off, man. We live kind of this subsistence lifestyle. So I grew up, you know, trapping and, and hunting to sustain the family and fishing to sustain the family, you know, had a big garden. Um, so it was all good things. Uh, and then since then, it's just wherever I've gone, I've take hunt, taken hunting with me. And uh, it's, it's such a huge part of my of my mental health, you know, and I think that's the same way for a lot of people, you know, everyone listening to this podcast can probably feel that where you you do what you got to do Monday through Friday, but man, when you can get out in the mountains, that's just when you really find you. Mm, So absolutely, man, there's nothing, there's nothing more clearing. Everything goes away. I don't care if it's, you know, just a morning jaunt to the woods, man, to sit, it, it, everything is just gone. It's the only thing that matters is right then and right there. And then it, it reminds us, at least for me, it reminds me how small and minuscule those real problems are when you get out there, man. Yeah, totally. Totally. You get so far away from things that you can't, you can't solve any of the problems you know, back at home because you're not there. Um, and you get to, to pit yourself against everything that mother nature, um, and the environment can throw at you. And then you start play, trying to play, you add in the mix of playing match woods with animals on top of that. And yeah. man, it just, <laughs> it, the game begins. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I, I, somebody had posted something tonight and I was thinking about, it. they said, what, what are the, what are some of the hard lessons that you've learned? And I was like, you know, or they, they asked for one and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't think of one. And for whatever reason, the one that really stood out was, man, I love archery hunting, but it really doesn't love me as much as I love it. <laughs> you know, so it kind of goes to what you're saying, man, you get out there and there ain't nothing you're going to do. I mean, there is, yeah. right. We, we, I, I think we get lucky a lot, right. We prepare and we plan and we do all this stuff, but a lot of times, man, it's, it's kind of just dumb luck of the draw, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And if you follow me at all, you'll know I am not an archery hunter and everybody is 
constantly prod me, man, you got to get into doing it. You got to pick it up. You got to get in, back into it. And I used to do it when I was a kid, but I just, for whatever reason, man, it's like, it's just too much. It's just <laughs> too much for me. I, I enjoy, you know, I enjoy my bang stick hunting and, and getting out there on the rifle hunts, but I just, I think it's just, I'm getting too old and I, there's nothing left in my brain to give. So archery is just like, it. it is a it is definitely it's a love-hate relationship man so this year i i put it against myself and i said you know what i'm i'm going all archery this year right i'm not gonna not gonna pick up the rifle and uh man i'm right now i'm i'm eating tag suit buddy like you know the elk yeah. just kicked my butt in colorado but my my deer season you know was one particular buck that i wanted um I just, I couldn't get within a hundred yards. You know, I think 118 was the closest I got. It's just something about it. I mean, it is, uh, yeah, it's a lot of tax soup recipes, man. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I can't even get it done with my rifle, Yeah, but man, I get it. I get it. And for me, uh, I don't know. I just, I can't, I just can't get back into it. I don't know if it, what it is, but I have this mental block to where I'm like, no, no, even traditional archery has become so complex, you know, um, and God bless the people like Aaron Snyder who are out there doing it. Yeah. amazing at it. Phenomenal at it. Um, you'll never, you don't have to worry about me. I am not walking in your shadows. Yeah. I'm not getting on that traditional thing, man, that, that, you know, you bring up Snyder and that dude is, uh, he's in a class all his own. I don't know. Yeah. I, and I don't really follow trad much, but I don't think I've ever seen, and maybe he's in the spotlight. So we see him more. I've never seen anybody that proficient and just, I mean, it's just ridiculous what that dude is doing. Yeah. And I've got to be honest. I, I as a rifle hunter would not judge you or give you any shame. If every archery hunter in the world just converted to high fence hunting, I wouldn't blame you. <laughs> it's, it's like, man, you got to increase your odds somehow. somehow. It's like, yeah. Just go get it done. Feel good about yourself at the end of the day. It's uh, it's rough, man. But you know what? The I, I hate sounding cliche, right? But if it was easy, everybody would do it type thing. And I think that's really what, I mean, rifle, muzzleloader, trad, you know, compound bow, whatever. If it was that easy, I don't think half of us would, would enjoy it as much as we do. No, absolutely. And, and certainly I'll call them the nouveau hunters, the, this, this new generation of hunters that's coming up, man, we're all, they're all about pushing themselves to that next level and that next level. So I think archery really does lend itself to that. Um, between the technology constantly evolving, almost evolving as quick as our cell phones are um, to where every year there's a new, you know, spin coming out on the bows to, um, to the personal fitness, um, and everything like that. So I think it all just ties itself really well to people really trying to challenge themselves and push themselves to that and take themselves to that next level. And man, there's a ton of guys out there getting it done. I know it's not you and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> not this year, man. You know what? The hard part is like coming off of my year last year. Yeah. And then, you know, where I'm at this year, I think last year by this time I had, I think I filled two or three tags. Yeah. And, and now I'm sitting on, you know, I'm sitting on all my texts. It's crazy, man. Yeah. It is crazy. I was down in Arizona um, earlier in the year tagging along and my brother, he had an archery antelope hunt and just, you know, setting up as a spotter and watching him stock in and, you know, stock after stock get blown, man. I'm like, this is exactly why I don't do that. <laughs> yep. you know, he comes back with a socks full of cactus and, yep. you know, and broken hearted. And I'm like, yeah, if you'd have had a 30 odd six, we'd have had him. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say that though, right? I thought about that. So my early season starts in July and it's 110, 112 degrees for most of the day. And this year I said, okay, I'm, I'm getting this buck. And I had some decent opportunities on some smaller bucks and, and I'm just stuck on this one, but it became less about filling that tag and more about how much, 
how much better can I get just to get that much closer? So those stalks would, you know, they would end at 170 yards. This is wide open country. And then it was 130 yards. And then at 118 yards and he's busting out. Dude, I, I was ecstatic. I was like, you know, I felt accomplished. <laughs> and then, you yes. know, then you don't see him for two weeks and you're going, damn. <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, it feels I should have really done better. Yeah. It, it, but it, it just, it, something that just keeps you going back. I glutton for punishment, I guess, man. I I don't well, know. Absolutely. And, and you take every one of those opportunities and you write another page in your little mental notebook of, of hunting rules and hunting. You know, I don't know your, your hunting patterns and you try and pull those pages out next season and remember, Oh yeah, this is what time it is. But as soon as you do that, the animal flips the script on you and you don't get it anyway. <laughs> so, so you, you bring that thought process into my Colorado elk hunt and you couldn't have told me when I was driving through your home state there that we weren't coming back <laughs> with at least one punch tag with a bull on the Jeep. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, that you didn't get one with a bow is surprising enough, but that you didn't hit one with your truck is the other thing. Yeah. I mean, they're everywhere out there. Actually, man, you know, I'm not going to say that that's a misconception, right? But when you give the amount of public land and you start talking herd numbers and densities and all that, you'd have to drive directly through dark timber to hit one of them SOBs. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, yeah. we, we yeah. had one, two, three, I think we had four, in, you know, four light encounters. And then we only saw bodies once. And we, that was one, two, three, three or four cows and a little calf and a bull, you know, yeah. in 11 days. Yeah. And you know, that's, I live in Southern Utah now, so I'm kind of spoiled to go from Colorado to Utah um, with a few stops in between, but it just, the elk numbers were good, but certainly on Tate's hunt was a real eye opener for me. I thought, man, the season is right. We're on a we're on a private ranch. Man, I was I was drooling, salivating, jumping at the opportunity. Aside from helping Tate with this hunt, to just get into the elk, you know, they spent the whole they spent the whole week just locked up in heavy timber. You just couldn't get to them. So frustrating. Um, and even the terrain we were hunting, man, was so steep and deep. It was very unforgiving. And so when you're, you know, you're dealing with uh, people with mobility issues, we could go. Um, it was just slower and harder. Um, it, you, just, you just couldn't get in there. You just couldn't get in there. You know, so many eyes. And that was one of the things I remember when I did the Scorch the Earth episode with those gentlemen. Um, Sean was saying, he was like, you know, this, this country is grade nine, some of the most challenging country anybody could ever hunt in and uh seeing the pictures of it it was just like whoa man yeah yeah it really is i mean you think utah is utah but this you know compared to the units that i'm familiar hunting with um you know, being up there on his land it, it was it, it was, was rough it was rough it that, was rough man. that dude was if it doing, wasn't the ridge it was a it was a steep slope man. yeah and sean was out there man i remember him saying oh i did 20 something miles today placing cameras yeah. and scouting <laughs> crazy sob yeah, and I believe it, man. He he just goes. He's got a he's a hard hard worker, man, and he he's really passionate about what he does. He just he just throws it all out there. That's for sure. Hits it, just hits it. So yeah. uh, let's get into it, man. Let's let's talk a little bit about uh, safe words and bad smells. I know Tate was <laughs> he was like, God dang it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, poor Tate, you know, he's man, he's a he's a heck of a fun guy, but he's he's pretty modest. He, he he's pretty modest. But it got pretty candid, you know, spending the week together between him and Sid. We uh, uh I don't think there I don't think there's any virgin territory between us anymore, man, when it comes <laughs> to experiences. We just had a ton of fun. You know, and it, it started for me the first night. I, we'll get into the safe words, but man, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell the story. And I, hopefully everybody else gets it. But so the first night I get there, you know, I'm meeting Tate, I'm meeting Sid, I'm, meet, I'm meeting Mr. Jenkins for the first time uh, with Disabled Outdoors. And, and I feel like the smallest fish in the biggest pond at this point, because, you know, these guys are insta-famous and, and people that I really look up to and they're super cool. And uh, 
you know, we're, we're deciding where everybody's sleeping. And, and I end up shacking up in a fifth wheel trailer with, uh, with Sid and Tate. Tate had already claimed the uh, upper bunk bed and, and Sid had already claimed the couch. So I'm like, well, I'll sleep on the floor in the kitchen. So I just rolled my bedroll out there in the middle of the night. I wake up and I've got this figure on hands and knees crawling towards me. And in my mind, all I can think of is that crazy, scary movie where that girl's crawling out of the TV, oh, backwards. you know? And so, <laughs> and so I'm like, like, I'm reaching for my gun. And then there's another part of me that's starting to suck my thumb and thinking, mommy, you know, I'm freaking out. <laughs> so that's something you take for granted. Here I am. And it, what it ends up being is Sid. He's just got to go pee in the middle of the night. He doesn't want to put his legs on. So he's crawling across the floor. So that was really my, oh, you're going to have to open up your head here a little bit oh, because man. things are not going to be a normal hunting camp. <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> and it just, it really didn't get any better, man. It it didn't. We, I mean, I'm a big dork to begin with, but man, we had a ton of fun. And uh, so, yeah, there was one time we, uh, Tate and I were uh, together on a hillside, just glassing. Um, and the, I happened to be downwind of him and he let one of them just hairy old dog, silent but dead. And I had my mouth open. I was talking, oh, and it was man. palatable. <laughs> the guy was palatable. I could taste it. Oh man! It had flavor. <laughs> Ohio country boy. And like, was, and like two kids would do, man. We just started laughing, and I'm like, dude, we've got to come up with a safe word if you're going to do that again. <laughs> we said, I, I'm sorry, buddy. I'll tell you. I'll tell you to shut your mouth next time. Blah 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 blah. So, so we go on to glassing. And I get to, I get about mid story and he just says, Keith, shut your mouth. <laughs> sure enough, I, I shut my mouth and he did what he had to do. And dude, I, this is the reason we didn't see any else because we were laughing like schoolgirls the whole, the whole time. time we were hunting together. Yeah. It was just nonstop. Or you just were, phenomenal. or you were up winning them bad boys or yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I'm not going to say there wasn't any payback, you know, retribution. There definitely <laughs> was, but. You just, you know how it is when guys get together and, oh, yeah. and I, I try and, you know, I'm trying to be maybe a little bit more professional than normal, but that went out the door the first night, man. I just, it, it was nice to be able to just cut loose, have fun with these guys yeah. and just let it roll. But that, I mean, that, that's what's nice about it too, right? Is you, is you build those relationships or, you know, you have that, that passion and, in common and that camaraderie is just there as hunters in my opinion right in most instances i'm not going to say everyone um yeah but the fact that you can be a 40 year old man farting on the hillside and laughing about it and just enjoying yeah. that time carefree like that man you tell me outside of your family that there's anything better than that i'd argue until i'm blue in the face man no, no. And, and, and again, everybody listening to this podcast gets it because we all, we've all got that hunt camp, you know, and there's those people that like to do their solo thing, but there's a, there's a different vibe in a hunt camp versus when you're solo hunting and it's both fine, but man, hunt camps are definitely cool. You know, uh, me and myself, I've always had a, you know, hunting out here in Utah, I've always got a hunt camp with me and stuff like that. And so it was no different with Mr. Jenkins and, and the videographer that we had out there and, and with Sean and Tate and Sid, dude, it was just a cut up and it, it was a good weekend. The good thing was I was just volunteering my time. It's not like I was on anybody's paycheck. So right. <laughs> I could just, just have I could fun. Just do whatever. Yeah. Have fun. <laughs> enjoy it. Yeah. And I mean, and just that experience with those guys alone. And we kind of, you know, touched on that and, but you're able to, I, for me, I, and I say it all the time, right? And, and it's not a kiss ass or anything, but the, what I've learned about myself talking to Sid and talking to Tate and, and really watching and paying attention to what those guys are doing, man, I've learned yeah. a ton about myself in the last year, you know, getting to know those gentlemen. I mean, there ain't no if, ands or buts about it, man. Now, I, I definitely was able to see things from uh, what I take for granted perspective. Um, and then and then definitely 
one big takeaway was having to up my mental toughness game. You know, I like to go pretty hard when I hunt. Um, I'm not afraid of putting on miles and stuff like that, but you know, blisters will shut me down. Pain will shut me down. And then, you know, the frustration of not seeing animals will shut me down. And here's Tate. He's just happy to be here. You know, he's just happy to see Utah. Um, a guy like that might not ever get that chance again. Um, for whatever it is. And, and he didn't let anything go for granted, man, from every sunset to every breath of fresh air to every time he had to stop and suck oxygen and, and understand the, the great equalizer that elevation is to yeah. all of us, you know, <laughs> and he just, he didn't miss anything, you know, and, and if you follow Tate at all, you know, he's, he's a phenomenal athlete. Um, and in great shape, but man, altitude just does that to everybody. You know, it levels the plane pretty quick oh, unless you're training quick. hard at, at high altitude. And he, he just, he doesn't have that option, you know, where he's from. So, but he definitely, he endured and he hunted his ass off and it, it was, it was a pleasure to be side by side with him every day. Heck yeah, man. I, like I, I, I you know, keep saying I've said it, but yeah, I, I was where I should have been, like Take said, hunting with my boy. But man, did I want to be at that camp. It just timing yeah. wise, it just fell right at the same time. I was like. Yeah, I tell you, just, just phenomenal people to meet in person. Um, and even my friendship with Sid. Uh, man, I, again, he and I will be hopefully lifelong contacts. You know, another guy I, I really admired from a from a training perspective and even now i'm like gosh nobody keeps up with this guy he's, a, he's an animal um but to see him out there uh in the hills man there was one time we had elk hung up in the trees and i i tried to go down in the canyon and see if we could suck them down and they just weren't coming so i gave up and was walking back and here comes sid sid's like now nah, you get up there and spot i'll go in and sure enough man i've got some really cool footage of, of Sid working his way up through this dark timber, just, you know, windfall timber that we all trip and fall and stumble over. And Sid's just, he's taking his time, picking his way through it. There's actually a time where he's, he's not less than 15 yards from a bugling bull. He just, he thinks it's ahead of him and it's actually sitting right beside him waiting for him to move. And so for him, that, that was his, that was his takeaway from the hunt that he was able to get up in there and that heavy shit and, and, talk with the bulls and, 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 and push them around, but to really get in there and do it and live, you know, the way us hunters want to live. And that's right up close next to those animals trying to, like I said earlier, play matchbooks with them. You yeah. Know? Heck yeah. That, uh, phone call threw me off there. Sorry, man. Um, I, I totally lost my train of thought when that stupid thing came in there. I'll, have to, I'll end up backing this up or something. Oh, oh, that's what I was. I would, I think I would have been a little bit nervous or apprehensive. Sid's a beast, man. So the amount of training that, that Sid's been doing for his try and it's just like, nah, man, <laughs> I'll carry your bag or something, buddy. I don't want to walk next to you because you're going to smoke my butt. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the best way to get Sid is to make him walk through sagebrush. He hates that. He can't feel the, he can't feel the brush when it's hitting his, his lower legs. So it gets, it trips him up. So I often suggested that we walk through a lot of sagebrush just to (laughs) (laughs) slow sit down. (laughs) Oh man. Where there was sagebrush, I was like, let's just cut through there, man. (laughs) I wonder if Sid caught on to that tactic. <laughs> he was the one who he was the one who told me about it. I just had to tuck that little nugget away anytime I was anytime I was gassed. You start know? gassing sagebrush, looking yeah. for it, searching for sage. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, man. But, you know, I, I commented on that earlier in the week that you know it's not a disability; it's just disability. You know, they just they got to do things a little different. But man, there's really nothing they can't do. Yeah, that you know? dude. I you know and. And that's one of the things that I've learned again, you know, getting to know both those guys is that the biggest disability is in our mind. Right. And, and that's where I've kind of checked myself. I mean, it's pushed me through, it pushed me through my elk hunt, my early season hunt. Um, There's times where you want to throw in the towel and you get those little reminders. And, you know, when you're reflecting back, it's like, you know, you're starting to tie things together, man. And it, yeah, it's huge, man. 
Yeah. And especially in, in my time with Tate, you know, um, and learning more about his story and, and, you know, both of these guys have only been amputees for, for four years. Um, so in practical terms, that's a relatively short time to come to grips with it and to, and to adjust. Um, and Tate's story, you know, is still going, like you had mentioned, you know, he was having problems with his back and with his knee or with his remaining leg and his foot on his remaining leg. And that's what slowed him down the most, um, and frustrated him the most. Um, so for him, he spent all of his preseason preparing for what his amputated leg was going to be like, not never figuring that it was going to be the good leg that, that hemmed him up the most. So, and that's, that's funny, right? So you look at, you look at the excuses we make, right? Um, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not ready to go hunt this or, you know, I think I need more time behind the scope or more time behind the bow, this, that, and the other. Oh yeah. And and you got this dude's like, man, I'm all in bro. Let's go. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And for Tate, that's, that's what it was, man. It was, it was this once in a lifetime chance for him. Um, and it's, it's so awesome of disabled outdoors to, to do that for him. Um, Man, I tell you, sorry, it hits me. That's, <laughs> um, hey, that's that's what it's about, though, man. Don't be sorry. Yeah, but only because only because I was able to spend so much time with Tate. You know, I had him down in my house and stuff, and and we had we kind of made a little part two of his Utah vacation. Um, so we spent a lot of good time together. But uh, but yeah, just all heart. And like I said earlier, just he didn't miss a beat. You know, everything was new to him. Everything was a, was a totally new experience, you know. So, so I was blessed to be a part of that and and to help help give that to him. That's awesome, man. So you guys you guys went to Zion and and did some uh, had Tate speak at your youth group at uh, at the church there, huh? Yeah, man. Get with Tate for the week. You know, he was every time we'd head out. You know, and, and even for uh, individuals like Sid and I who are you know, men of faith. Um, it was always Tate saying, Hey, y'all let's pray before we head out. So, so I, I, I latched on very early to the fact that Sid or Tate's a spiritual giant. Um, and I knew we did the public speaking thing. And, uh, so yeah, he, he wanted to go to church with us one day and see what my church was all about. Uh, it just so happens that I, on Sundays I have to teach a, 10 and 11 year olds in kind of a Bible study type class. And uh, about an hour before church, I said, Tate, I tell you what these kids need, man. They need to hear you. And uh, I wasn't sure what, it, what that was going to be like, but man, he, he, he brought a sweet spirit into the room. He, he related his story and, and told about his belief in God. Um, and so, man, he just knocked it out of the park. He, he's he, he just a, just a cool dude. I could go on for hours with the guy, man. Oh, man, you you and me both. I've spent enough time with him podcasting and then on the phone. And that's yeah. the one thing with Tate, right, is there is never a shortage of inspiration in any conversation. I mean, never a shortage, man. Just, yeah, just his got- outlook is... He's got all these pearls of wisdom from all of the self-help he's given to himself. Um, other individuals he follows, the books he's read, the spiritual journey he's been on. Yeah, man, he just, he can bring himself into any situation and just be a peep, be cool, um, and, and add to it. That's like a, Sid had hit me, I don't know, it was like the, maybe the Tuesday or Wednesday um, prior to Tate getting there and was like, Hey man, we, you know, want you to send Tate some, some motivational stuff, um, yeah. you know, for, uh, for his hunt. And yeah. that, and I, I think I told Tate that dude, that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. I mean, yeah. what do you, how do you even begin to inspire a guy that you draw so much inspiration from you know what i mean it just it it was phenomenal to sit there and think about it 
yeah. and I was really at a loss for words, man. I mean, it was like, I think I, well, part of it was signal, but I, I didn't get back to Sid for two days and yep. it was just an absolute loss of everything. Like, what do I say? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I think, and Sid was, Sid was always real good about reading those messages to Tate and Tate would also relay messages he was getting and stuff. And it seems like, man, everybody from Pam Haynes to a lot of different, man, just huge individuals in my book, um, sending these words of encouragement and it, and it was really cool. Uh, but I agree with you. It's almost like, uh, the student trying to teach the master in yeah. terms of, Guys like me trying to lift that dude up because, man, he's a, he, every day, every day, there's something to learn from that guy. Heck yeah. Next, him and Sid, yeah. man, they're next level. Absolutely next yeah. level, man. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to watch Sid. He's dirty. Sid's Real funny, dirty. man. <laughs> Sid, Sid's a crack up. Oh, he is. He's a riot. But yeah. I had to, I had to make that confession the next day to him. Like, dude, I saw you crawling on the floor last night. And I didn't know. I didn't know what the hell was going on. Man. I geeked a little bit. I was like, what in the hell? Cause I'm, I'm sleeping in a place I've got, you know, in this new environment with these new guys. And I'm not even thinking about single amputees and double amputees and, when you got to get up and pee in the night, you got to put your legs on or don't you? And you just crawl. Oh, I was like, shit, I just wasn't ready. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's any preparation for that one. Oh no, man. Sid, no, I'm, I'm, Sid conveniently left that out of, of our discussion. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, to be honest, the triathlon world is a lot happier. I couldn't reach my gun that night. We might not have <laughs> at this point because oh man, I really when all I could think of was that creepy girl crawling out of that oh, television. That I'm like, oh hell no! Oh, I wasn't going to go out like that. That's too funny, man. Oh Jesus! So, oh man. So, one of the things I wanted to talk about, right? And and not to say that it's super unique. Um, or way out in left field, but your IG handle um, says a lot to me. And <laughs> just the way that that you share your story and you approach things, you just keep everything in perspective. There's not this, I don't want to say anything to offend anyone, but there, there's not a lot of gloating needed, right? Hey, I'm going out and I'm hunting um, spike bull outdoors, right? I'm, I take pride that I go out on a spike bull hunt every year. Um, and I appreciate the hell out of it, man. And and I've been following you a lot longer than just, you know, this hunt and, and stuff. Sure. But why don't you give us a little bit about the, the spike hunt? And, uh, and then I, I kind of want to talk about the availability of the spike hunts in Utah, which I didn't really, I didn't realize how much of an opportunity Utah had on those spike hunts, man. That's a great opportunity there. Yeah. Yeah. And I've actually, I've done a little bit of research here lately, um, thinking about writing an article, but, but to start off with, yeah, I moved to Utah about eight years ago and, uh, I've always, I've always loved hunting elk and I've always been enamored with the Rocky mountain bull elk, just a phenomenal animal. Um, uh, but you know, Utah split up into premium limited entry, limited entry, and then just over the counter hunts. And, you know, even at, even though I've been here for eight years, I still don't have enough points to really draw a good limited entry tag. Um, so every year I just, the unit that I want to hunt that, that, that looks the most elky to me, it, it happens to be a spike unit. And so, yeah, it started out in 2011. I grabbed my spike tag, um, talked to a couple neighbors about, you know, where I should go and just walked into the woods and got it done. And then every year I've, I've learned a little bit more about the area. And then I've added game cam or trail cams to my repertoire. And, and so, yeah, I've just built on it. I've got, I've gotten lucky. I just, I've gotten, you know, I'm seven for eight on bull elk, you know, spike elk. But uh, for me, it, it, it's just me. I look forward to that spike hunt. It's, it's, it's simple. Um, I take a lot of razzing from the guys about it. You know, I've, 
you know, everything. I, I got to make excuses for it almost. Everything from, well, when they're spotted, they have better camouflage to, <laughs> you know, how much skill it takes to, to snipe a spike off the mom's teeth without hurting the mom, you know. You know, because you don't want to wound a cow in the taking of a spike. So <laughs> I've had to stay awake at night and think about slapstick comments to come back to all everybody who teases me about being a spike hunter. But for real, you know, it's just it's an opportunity to get out there, fill my freezer. Um, it, it's it's a sacrifice for my family. Everything I put towards hunting is a dollar or a minute that I, I don't give to my family. Um, so they respect the sacrifice and I try and make the most of it by in return, bringing meat home, which, which saves our red meat budget. Um, it, it provides me a winter full of, uh, some mental health, um, to get me through. And, uh, yeah, it's just my thing. Uh, now it's just, now I just take it and run and say, I love the spike elk hunt. I had the opportunity this year to have uh, my father and two of my brothers from Arizona come up and hunt with me for the first time. And opening morning to, you know, it, I made it look easy. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, we walked a mile in um, and had the elk just run to us. <laughs> so, wrong with that, man. Yeah, man, my hunt was over in 30 minutes. Uh, so that's the hard part, but, right? Is you walk in the woods and that was last year, my Wyoming hunt. I don't think I was in the woods for more than an hour and a half. And I had a bull 12 yards away screaming, shot him at 28. Yep. But the realization that man, that's it. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah, a couple of years. I had a, a couple of years ago. I had a guy hunting with me. Um, he had just moved to Utah from New York. Yeah. And, uh, he wanted to go hunting with me. He avid shooter, but never really hunted. So I took him out on my spike hunt. It was snowing like crazy. We get out of the truck. We only have to walk about a hundred yards up into this meadow that I want to hunt. Um, and about halfway in there, we busted some deer. And as we looked up to see the deer run away, we could see that there were elk beyond in the meadow. So we just cowered behind a tree. I leaned out, shot the spike that was in the group. We walked back down to the truck, unloaded the four wheeler, went back up, got the elk, and and it was done. And he he thought for sure that's how easy elk hunting was. So sure enough, the next year he gets a tag and and has to eat that tag soup because <laughs> that is not the reality. And we all know. And and the spike tag can be just as challenging. Um, last year when I hunted, um, the the rut was actually still going pretty heavy that first weekend in October here in Utah, and. Uh, Man, you just you couldn't get into the herd for all the satellite bulls and all the the cows mixing around. You just you couldn't get into the herd to find the spikes. And even if you tried to call or anything, that made it even worse because now you had everything coming at you. So you had to kind of sit and wait. So so the spike hunt is as as easy as it sounds to suit a juvenile elk. It's still a challenge. And then the real work, like every hunt, begins as soon as you put that animal down. Now you still got to drag 500 pounds or more of meat and bone out of the woods. And, and so, damn it all, I'm proud to be a spike hunter. And it's, <laughs> I mean, I, it's what I do. It's, it's close to home. And so it's, it's time friendly for me. But uh, back to it, right? It, it, to me, it keeps it in perspective. The, it, it keeps the the real values of why we're out there right at the forefront, right? I'm not worried about how many inches of bone or how you know big the spread is. Um, there's don't less. Don't get me wrong. I'd I'd love to take Spikezilla or the you know the unicorn spike out there. That's a two hundred on one side and a spike on the other. But uh, you know, I had a chance to speak to the state um, big game wildlife biologist a while back. And I said, so why the spike hunt, man? Why, why does Utah have a spike hunt? And he said, he said it best. He said, one, it's biology 101 in, in terms of bird management. He said, but two, we get to give 15,000 people the opportunity to hunt elk. And that number really hit home for me. Like, yeah. That's, that's a huge opportunity for people to either get involved with the woods, fill their freezer, make family hunt camp memories, introduce somebody else to hunting, or just get out and rip it, you know? So, 
So it's, it's a, been a good thing, I think, for Utah to have the spike only hunt. Heck yeah. I mean, it just, I mean, with 15,000 tags, I don't, I'm not sure what that costs for a non-resident or resident, you know, for that matter, but that's yeah. a lot towards Utah's management of the herds. I mean, that's huge yeah. impact. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the non-resident, um, it's, 250 maybe tipping 300 and then for residents it's just 50 50 50 55 bucks i mean it's nothing it's nothing yeah and then if you if you draw a cow tag in the same year no matter when your cow tag hunt is if it's in the same unit you can hunt it along with your spike so you get this opportunity to just go out there and and just hammer it man that's yeah that's a pretty good opportunity man that uh and the spike, I, I think, what is that? The last, what is that? Any any weapon, any legal weapon doesn't end until like November 7th, right? No, it's it's like the first two and a half weeks of October um, or week and a half of October um, for the over-the-counter, any weapon um, hunts. But gosh, opening day, it, it sounds like downtown Beirut you know, but then it, it tapers off as the week goes on. Right. So do, how many guys in your camp this year, were you the only one that tagged or were your brothers and family? No, you know, I, 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 nope. Then nobody else picked up a tag. They, they talked about it, but just too cost prohibited for them being out of state. But, uh, so me and my buddy, Chris, actually, that, I don't know if you follow him at all. The drunken butcher guy oh, yeah. Yeah. Had, had tags in camp this year. And so I tagged out first morning, he tagged out the next morning, you know, just get up there and get it done. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's the same thing, you know, a ton of laughs, but a ton of, I might be five, nine and 170 pounds, but man, I act like I'm six, three, two eighty. you know, mm-hmm. I just, I'm giving everybody a hard time. I'm sarcastic. <laughs> so I just I'm making camp. a point to have What's that? I said, it's camp, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if you're not doing that, you're missing it. Yeah. And, and, you know, you mentioned that earlier, right? I, me personally, I like to solo hunt, but I, I enjoy the time in camp. Like I, if it's yeah. going in the woods, I just got my thing, man, where I, you know, it's just me and mother nature, but yeah, there ain't nothing like you know, in camp this year at, uh, Tony with us. And uh, he's gathering some some firewood for us, man. And we're sitting down and he's getting the wood and we made, you know, dinner and his plate's sitting there ready. And he comes over and he grabs his plate and he goes, oh, let me grab this wood and throw it in the fire. And uh, <laughs> he grabbed the stick, man, and it was full of what we think is it was bear crap. Um, and man, uh. he, had, he had his dinner in one hand and bear crap stick in the other. And <laughs> the look on his face... When he, I don't know how we knew, right? But when he grabbed that stick and I forget exactly what he said, but that expression on his face was like, he just grabbed a handful of poo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, man. You talk about somebody not having luck. Of all the sticks in the forest, he grabs one. He grabs one. Yeah, it's like how does that even happen? Oh man, he chucked that stick, and I'm like, wait a minute, you just threw it. Where'd it go? What if, what if we grab that again? I don't want to do what you just did. (laughs) Heck no, but no, man, I I get you. You definitely, you've got to have, you've got to have your solo time in the woods, and whether it's during that hunt or later in the year or earlier in the year. Man, we all have to have that, you know, just that time to connect with ourselves and to shut it all down and and rejuvenate and recharge and, and feel some peace. Um, but then, yeah, it's always cool to, for me. I'm so busy with family um, and dang it, I'm blessed with a house full of girls. So for me, it, it's also healthy to get out with the guys. <laughs> <laughs> how many uh, how many girls you have? You know, I've got three daughters, so. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of them's out of the house now. She's married and gone. Um, But the running joke uh, used to be because the ages were uh, like 1916 and and three. And so a couple of years ago, the joke used to be that I had two in PMS and one in Pampers. So (laughs) (laughs) when I came home, somebody was crying and I never knew. Yeah. I just had to have my listening years on and a handful of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's uh, yeah, that's outnumbered for sure. 
That yeah. is definitely yeah. outnumbered. And not that I would trade it for the world. And my wife, bless her heart, she she gets it. She gets that I need that time. And she bites her tongue and lets me go. And then I, as a dutiful husband, have to come back and pay the price and, and, and give back to her, which I gladly do. Gladly do. I was going to say, it's a, it's a, ultimately, it's a very small price that we pay to go and enjoy that. And and I know guys that catch grief about going to the woods, man. And, and oh, sure. yeah, for those of us sure, that, sure. that don't, man, it is uh, truly a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, you know, we pick our partners for whatever reason it is. And they're, and they're not always as sometimes they don't get it. You know, sometimes um, like even my wife and I, we joke all the time about moving to Alaska and, and my idea of Alaska is just a one room trapper cabin in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> you know? And she's like, no, I'm going to need some restaurants and some stores, yeah. you know? but you know, you can, you can agree to disagree, you know, with your partner about that time and you, and you can still make it work, you know, opposites act and, and whatever it's, it's all about coming together and, and, and making that equal sacrifice to make it work. Heck yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm gonna back us up a little bit. And the one thing that we really didn't touch on too much, and I know that there's more there, is the is the personal impact and takeaway from spending that time with with uh, not just Tate and Sid, but Sean and Weston um, on the mountain there on that hunt. Yeah, yeah, it's um, you know, I hadn't I hadn't guided a stranger on a hunt since roughly my college days, so for me, it was a good opportunity to. Uh, to reconnect with that um, and, to, and to be in the woods with somebody I wasn't familiar with and didn't know their hunting style and ability. Um, so it was good to reconnect with that. But um, uh, for me personally, why I jumped on the opportunity to volunteer with Sean and, and help him out with this is um, I was born actually with a, with a real mild case of cerebral palsy. And uh, in elementary school, we had a, a girl there who was wheelchair bound and had a really severe um, case of it. And, you know, it took me a long time to understand how blessed I was because that could be me. Um, and so here comes this chance to give back through disabled outdoors and just give a week of my time. You know, I had the vacation time at work. It wasn't a big deal. Um and spend the time in the woods with these guys. And man, I had to jump on it. I had to. And, and since then I've become so enamored with the mission of disabled outdoors. Um, I've worked with uh, Weston, Mr. Jenkins there out of uh, disabled outdoors to actually get it domesticated in Utah so that um, Sid and, and I and, and whoever else wants to be a part of that, we can help this thing grow. We can help the, this never quit uh, mission of disabled outdoors uh, continue to grow. I, it's definitely the right program for the right reason. Um, there's so many good nonprofits out there and, and organizations doing work for disabled and doing work for the, the veterans and, and things like that and connecting them to the outdoors and, and, and disabled outdoorsmen USA is really just another option, another one. Um, but man, it's, it's geared by some, it's backed by some really great people who really have, uh, that heart, uh, that, uh, that selfless heart to just, to just make it happen, to just do it, to that drive, to go out there and find the sponsorships and the money, um, as well as the time and the support, just make it happen. And, and Tate's hunt is evident of that. And, and there's, countless other hunts that Disabled Outdoors has put together it, locally in Texas. I'm sure it's easier to do. And so we hope to do that in Utah. Um, you know, just sitting around camp and brainstorming with Sid for a little bit, you know, uh, the possibilities are endless. The need is, the need is absolutely out there. So how cool is it going to be to see, uh, to see it grow? Uh, not that Weston's alone, but that is that dude has taken on something that is beyond selfless, man. 
um, yeah. the energy that he's put into it and the love that he has for it. I mean, it just, it's crazy, man. And, and, and to be at where he is in his years. And I, and I told him that when we talked a year, almost a year ago, Yeah, dude, most people don't figure out what you've figured out that service to others until they're double your age. Yeah. You know, I mean, he is just, yeah, yeah, it's crazy, man. I wish I had that much sense when I was that dude's age. I was worried about, you know, other stuff. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's just, you know, he's he's connected to it personally through his his cousin TJ, who's who looks like just a phenomenal dude. I I personally would love to go down and hunt with TJ and, and just watch that man work, man. Because it's so cool the adaptive sports world um, and just how well they think outside the box and make it happen. Um, but yeah, Weston uh, has got such a dynamic spirit, but his heart is so tied to helping TJ for as long as he has TJ in his life um, that TJ's legacy is going to live way longer than way longer than TJ does sadly but a lot of people's lives are going to be impacted by that yes sir sir. the only thing I wouldn't want to do with TJ is go into that SOB's trophy room no, <laughs> I don't want to step foot in that trophy room, man. <laughs> no, no, no. And I mean, we're guys, so we're all about comparing measurements. But yeah, I'm I'm no. good on that one, man. That uh, that last, the latest Bucky shot. I don't know if you. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, yeah, dude, yeah. that's stupid. Yeah. yeah, he's a deer killer, man. And it seems like that's what he loves too. Just those white tail, man. He loves those big trashy white tails and man, much respect to him for getting out there and get it done. I have actually lived in homes, not nearly appointed as nicely as his hunting blind. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if you saw the videos from this weekend, man, but Casey's panning around and talking and he's got that rooftop AC in there. and, And I don't doubt that that's a necessity in Texas, but I could I could probably live the rest of my life in this hunting block. <laughs> there's your there's your Alaska trappers spot right there, man. Sitting, <laughs> yeah, but in the, in the depths of hell of Texas tex- rattlesnake yeah. company, <laughs> sitting sitting somewhere in Texas, man. But yeah, that whole yeah, yeah. that that whole organization and just the guys that are getting involved with it. I mean, and again, not just Sid, not just Tate, but you and yeah. everybody. There's so much to take away from it, right? I mean, there, there, you can learn so much about yourself with just, just watching and listening the stories and people yeah. putting their, putting other folks first. And I, not to say that it's something that's lacking, but in this day and age, it's something that's lacking, man. It, it in my yeah. opinion, it really is. So, yes. Yeah. And there's a million reasons, you know, time, money, yada, 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 whatever it is for you, for sure. But I guarantee you, the second you tip, step inside that ring of selflessly doing for others dude you're going to be hooked and that's that's absolutely you know it took me 42 years i mean i've always been an an okay guy but it it took me 42 years to really feel like bam this is the mission i want to be a part of and so that's you know i've been able even just this week to help uh, fill out all the uh, legal documents for disabled outdoors to get domesticated here in Utah so that we can get this chapter rolling um, and just start spreading that energy. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and yeah, backed by some great people who believe in what they're doing. So, you know, one of the things that actually kind of surprises me is I mean, we always kind of want stuff fast, right? Um, but again, I talked yeah. to Weston. It seems like it's been maybe not quite a year. Eh, maybe not quite a year. Maybe January of this year, February-ish. You would think that it would it would be nationwide at this point, right? You know the mission. You know what's behind it. You know how hard he's working. It's weird that it takes I, I don't know. We want stuff fast, but you would think that it would have taken hold a lot faster than it has. Yeah. And you can, I mean, I think you can attribute that to any number of things, just apathy and, 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 and society. Um, and really there's, especially in the hunt, even in the hunting world, there's so many people vying for our, if not our attention, our money, 
Um, and we want to give and we want to spread the love. It's just, it's a finite resource, man. So, you, so you've got to pick and choose and that's okay. You've got to find whatever you're passionate about and there's plenty of opportunity out there for you and, and put your eggs in that basket and just run, run with, with it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what do you have? What's left this season? Is that spike hunt? Was that all she wrote or you got anything else coming up hunt wise? I, you know, I punched my spike tag. I went tag soup on my deer. Um, I've got a cow hunt coming up in November, which again, I'll be hunting with, uh, Chris, the drunken butcher, who's just a, uh, <laughs> just a cool guy, man. He and I are so totally opposites in our lives, but man, I love hanging out with a guy who's just got a heart of gold. Um, I believe I'll be heading to Arizona to tag along again on my brother. He's got a, a prime coos deer hunt. Um, so I'm going to go down and see if we can take down one of those little buggers. Um, and then that's it. I like to run a trap line in the winter. Um, I like to do whatever waterfowling I can do in Southwest Utah. That's not a fly zone before the lakes and rivers freeze. Um, so I hammer that as much as I can. And then I hibernate. <laughs> Wait for next spike season. That's the, yeah, yeah. that's hard though, yeah. man. I, that elk just seems to come and go so daggum fast, man. God, It does. I've, I've really enjoyed adding trail cams, um, to my lineup and, and God bless them. They might take them away. They might create a season for them. They might, you know, here in Utah, we can, we can do a, some baiting and stuff for them. Um, but that's given me one more opportunity to learn and to get out there, um, and go and, and be in my happy place. Um, uh, and man, just get some cool pictures of animals doing what they do. Not that it matters because the second you step into the woods with them, they do exactly Whatever. the opposite yeah. of what you, what you think, you know, but but we like that we yeah. like that well that's what keeps us going back that's one of the things man i so i'm in california right everybody knows that and for me to to find elk it's you know bishop i don't know i got a four and a half five hour drive once in a lifetime right. tag it's it's rough man so i find yeah. myself wanting i live through you guys through the through the social media trail cam pics and videos and stuff man and it is yeah i need to be where elk are at yeah and that's that's you know i follow a, a bunch of alaska hunting pages because again that's that's my vicarious living for me is seeing what's going on up there and just, just feeling like i'm a part of that that world and it's good you know it, it's good for all of us social media and stuff like that and the internet has just been explosive in terms of connectivity um you know, and it's, it's got it's good and it's bad sure but you know uh it's been a fun ride uh, it's been a fun ride you know i look at stupid people like me who who just have these uh, you know over a thousand people who follow me and it's like <laughs> i say the same thing with the podcast man who the hell wants to listen to me yeah yeah but understand it's not about you it's about who you bring on thank goodness yeah <laughs> there you go but you know what that's the reason i did it man because yeah because it's so it's so interesting is is probably not even the word i should be using to describe that but it's phenomenal to talk to people and that are like-minded and share their experience. And like you said, vicariously living through their experience, but some of the stories are so freaking cool, man. It's just like, how can you not want to share that? Yeah. And the, and the thing is there's so many hunters out there and there's so many podcasts out there, but you will still never get a chance to hear everybody's story and, and everybody's got a cool story to tell Heck yeah. for sure. Those, those perspectives, man, it's a, yeah. it's a trip. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're, it's all the same. We're after the same thing. Yeah. I actually had that, I had that point of melancholy this year hunting where I was like, it seems like for 300 days a year, hunters hearts are so turned to growing the world of hunting and, and introducing new people to hunting and bringing our children up in hunting. And then we get out in the woods and it's like, there are too many damn hunters out here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, 
And all of a sudden you're like, go home. This is mine, you know? <laughs> so And so it's funny what we've become, you know, this world where we won't tell people where we shed hunt and, and we've all got our secret spots and our little pins on our map that we won't share and our honey holes and stuff. And I don't know, for me, I'm just a public land knucklehead. And if you want my come get it, bud. You know, I had that opportunity to go out with Michael Merrill um, and hunt with him a little bit this year and, and, and share some trail cam picks with him after he drew this unit down here that I hunt prolifically. So, you know, I'm just an open book and, and whether you choose to be or not, that's on you. Um, but for me, man, let's just go do it. You know? I mean, just because yeah. you, just because you're in there don't mean you're going to harvest. No, you know, no, 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 no guarantees. Yeah. And if, and if playing other hunters isn't part of your, in, in your hunting kit, you're doing it wrong. That's you know? true. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. And I think every, I think every hunter has to understand what the elk are going to do because other people are out there or the deer do. So certainly everyone does, but some people are a little better at reading the script than others. Right. Yeah. And that script is ever changing, man. That's the, uh, that's the rough part, especially, you know, when you know you're coming to the end of a hunt or the end of the season. Yeah. It's a, it's always a big pill. It is, it is. And you, and you start blaming things and you start looking around at what went wrong and, and things like that. And whether I'm successful or not, I always try and take, one thing away from the year that I want to spend the next 365 days working to improve. Um, last year it was, last year was my glassing skill. I always thought I was fine with binoculars, but um, so much room for improvement. So this year, I don't know what it will be yet. Um, I don't know, but it'll, I think this year is going to be, a, I started to work on my physical fitness last year. I think this year will be a continuation of that. So yeah, and it it sounds cliche, right? We're about the same age. I'm a little bit older, but it gets harder, man. As you get older, that's oh, sure. that's one of the more important things. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it is, um, and it's harder to do. It's harder to sustain. Um, it just doesn't come as naturally as your body w- once did. So you got to keep at it. You yeah. got to keep at it. You're, you, cause, yeah, because me, I, I mean, you know, we're sitting here talking about farts and, you know, creepy, creepy amputees crawling at you. Um, yeah. That level of maturity <laughs> or immaturity better. It uh, We forget, man, that, you know, you, buddy, you're over, you know, you're over 35. You, you got some, <laughs> you got some yeah. more than maintenance to do. You got to keep yeah. on it. Oh man. And that's it. And it's not like hunting camp. It's not like you're sitting at field to plates, kitchen table, eating, you know, exquisite cuisine all year. You know, it's especially at Tate's hunt, man, it was a lot of freeze dried meals, peak refuel, um, hooked us up and we beat those things up cause they are delicious, but it, it did not agree with some of us. <laughs> Close your mouth. Close your mouth. <laughs> yeah. oh, man, man. I, you, I will never forget that sentence. Can oh. shut your mouth? That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm a, well, that's the title of this podcast. <laughs> shut your mouth. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I've heard that more than once in my life. Well, heck yeah, man. Well, uh, anything else you want to get out there, man? Where, you know, drop the drop the Instagram. Um, let us know about, you know, Do USA in Utah when we, you know, can see that. And- yeah what's coming yeah. up there yeah for sure you know it, it's it's incredibly humbling to to be invited on your podcast sir i uh man i'm just i'm just an idiot from southern utah who likes to shoot baby elk but uh um but i'm an outdoorsman this, pumping through my blood like anybody else and so yeah definitely definitely get out there and follow disabled outdoorsman USA and watch for things to come because there's, there's real opportunity out there for everybody to, to reach somebody and to make a difference. And and let's do that. Let's, you know, we all can point fingers at things where 
there needs to be kind of a societal shift within hunters and kind of a, Hey, that's not what we do, man. Um, but if one thing we do do is give to one another, let's do that. That's it, man. And I don't know that we're going to find anything better. No, no, you're never going to, you're never going to waste your time serving somebody else, man. And and just for you're the record, if you think that if you think you should get something in return for doing it, yep, you're missing the point. Yeah, then then don't do it. Yeah, yeah. But if you can it. do it self selflessly, selflessly from the heart. Yeah, that's yeah. that's where it's at. And for the record, man, I'm I'm flipping you off. You can't see me anymore. You, I tell you, I'm a couple of years older than you, and you start calling me sir and shit. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh my gosh, it's just a it's just a word in my vocabulary. Uh, no, I hear you, man. I had, to, I had to give you I'm a little sure bit. I'm sure West on the left, me calling him Mister Jenkins, and yeah, but no, I hear you. You know, I get a ton of respect for that guy for w- what he's done, man. Yeah, he's got he's got that salt beyond his years. That's for sure. Way beyond. I'm telling you, man, it took me a lot longer than that to figure, you know, and here's years to figure it out. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. He's got a good dude in TJ and and spread spread TJ's legacy the way he's going to. Um, Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, I've I've been there supporting it, man, and I'll continue to do it. I'm I'm more than happy to see you guys you know doing that in utah and getting that thing growing you know that'll tackle another state man that's awesome yep yep and that's what it's about that's what it's about it's not like we're there's no state that's shy of people that have a hardship getting out there in the woods let's let's help them do it well keith man you know, I appreciate your time. Uh, I was looking forward to this one, man, for, for multiple reasons, some laughs, and I knew it'd be a good time. And to hear your perspective yeah. from that hunt, man, I, I greatly appreciate it. Appreciate you, boss. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. Hey, everyone. This is Andrew with Sasquatch Fuel. If you're heading into the backcountry this season and you need some meals that don't bog you down, check out sasquatchfuel.com. Our 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the backcountry. For more information on conservation in action, head to sasquatchfuel.com. Hey guys, enter code Western Contours at checkout and save a few bucks off your order.